Learning to Judge Righteous Judgment The ox in a ditch principle is found in Luke 14, verses 1 through 6. Let's start off reading those. On the Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from an abnormal swelling of his body. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. Then he asked them, If one of you has a donkey or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. From this short section of scripture, we get an important perspective on Sabbath keeping. It is right and proper to alleviate the suffering of others on the Sabbath. The example of an ox falling into a hole it cannot get out of also adds the element of an emergency and danger where immediate action is required. Actions required to alleviate suffering could take the form of work you would otherwise not perform on the Sabbath, but which needs to be addressed right away. Let's go to Luke 13, and we'll read verses 10 through 15. On the Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, There are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. Then the Lord answered him, You hypocrites! Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has kept bound for eighteen long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? And when he said this, all his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. Here's another example, and it differs a little bit from the previous one. It is an example offered by Jesus where the regular, day-to-day, -day necessary work of feeding and tending animals is cited. If the animal's owner does not perform the necessary feeding and watering on the Sabbath, then the animal would suffer. Now look, we know the animals would not die without water or food for 24 hours. But why should they suffer in even a minor way so that we might keep the Sabbath more strictly? Let's take an example from modern day living. Let's say you own a string of rental properties. You're a Sabbath keeper and normally you try to tend to all the maintenance issues involved in your properties from Sunday to Friday. However, emergencies come up. For example, a person's furnace may go out on a Friday night in the middle of a cold January. Now let's go to Exodus and read the command. Exodus 20, 
verse 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now the commandment indicates that you should not work on the Sabbath. It also indicates that your, your manservant or maidservant should not be compelled to work on the Sabbath on your behalf. Now in the 21st century, this is generally interpreted to cover business owners, not having employees or say contract workers working for them on the Sabbath. So your first reaction might be, hmm, well, in the case of this rental property and the broken furnace, I'll have someone come out to repair it on Sunday or maybe Monday. Now look, the renters of your house will not die without heat for a day. They could wait for Sunday or perhaps Monday when a regular repair person is available, but is it right and is it godly that the people renting your house suffer, even if only in a minor way, so that you might keep the Sabbath with greater peace of mind. I believe it would be unjust to leave that person freezing in the cold. It reminds me of a friend I had who was an electrician. He was also an elder in the Church of God, and sometimes emergencies came up on the Sabbath that called for a skilled electrician. And in the part of the country where he lived, he was the only one to be found. And in those cases, he went out to help. God's desire is that we show compassion, care, concern, and righteous judgment when dealing with people as much as animals. Let's take a look at 1 Corinthians 9, verses 7 through 10. Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat its grapes? Who tends a flock and does not drink the milk? Now, do I say this merely on human authority? Doesn't the law say the same thing? For it is written in the law of Moses, Do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. Is it about oxen that God is concerned? Surely he says this for us, doesn't he? Yes, this was written for us, because whoever plows and threshes should be able to do so in the hope of sharing in the harvest. Now, God cares about animals, but he cares about people even more. I think Jesus marveled that Jewish legal experts could make righteous and wise decisions about caring for animals on the Sabbath and yet be so hard-hearted when dealing with their fellow human beings. They could discern the importance of compassion and outgoing concern when dealing with a, a donkey or an ox, but with people, not so much. Now, perhaps that's because people are more complicated than animals. <laughs> a cow isn't trying to take advantage of you, emotionally manipulate you. She's not trying to shirk her obligation. A cow's needs are pretty simple. God wants us to go from the easy and the simple to the complex. 
And this is what it means to learn to judge righteous judgment. I don't know if you've ever noticed it, but the ox in a ditch principle that Jesus talks about is not based on specific references to the covenant law. It's something that the people of Israel had reasoned out for themselves. And Jesus simply affirms their practice. He more or less says, this is a properly thought through application of mercy and concern, tempering strict rule following. But then he goes on to say, now, why don't you start applying it to human beings as well? Mercy triumphs over judgment. Careful obedience to the Sabbath command is an expression of our love towards God and is expected of those who worship him in spirit and in truth. However, God's word tells us that he desires mercy over strictness. Go to James 2 verse 13. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. This is probably the best known scripture on this idea. Let's take a look at another verse, Matthew 9, verse 13. Jesus speaking here says, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Here's an example from the Gospel accounts where Jesus is quoting from the Old Testament, specifically Hosea chapter 6, verse 6, and Micah chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. And this reference back to the Old Testament reminds us that this idea of mercy triumphing over judgment is not something new. It is an important overarching principle even under the Old Covenant. These two Old Testament verses speak of mercy over sacrifice. But the point is this. The people of old thought that they would be right with God if they just followed the rules, followed the rituals, like sacrificing the correct kind of animal at the correct time. And when God, through the prophets, told them that he was dissatisfied with them because of their moral behavior, they were surprised or mystified. God wanted them to make changes to their thoughts and the behavior that sprang from those thoughts. And that's one of the primary messages of the prophets. Note, the prophets weren't springing something new on the people either. The changes in behavior God wanted to see happening were spelled out in the books of the law. That calls for a good understanding of the books of the law. Do we as a church have a good working understanding of the books of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy? Perhaps this is something that we should work towards. Let's go to Matthew 12, verse 7. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Now here is a direct correlation of this old covenant principle of mercy over sacrifice that is applied here to attitudes and behaviors concerning Sabbath observance. Take a look at the rest of the chapter and see what I mean. 
Mercy, compassion, and good judgment are necessary for making good decisions about Sabbath observance, for your own observance, and for what judgments and opinions you might have about how others keep the Sabbath. What are we looking for? Careful obedience mixed with mercy and good judgment. Go to Matthew 23, verse 23. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides. You strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. Here we have an important caveat from Jesus. He criticizes the Pharisees and legal minds of the day for being very concerned about minor matters of obedience, such as tithing from their backyard herb garden, but at the same time not addressing big issues like judgment, mercy, and faithfulness. Then, at the end, he says something important. You should have taken care of the big issues without neglecting carefulness in obedience. God is not looking for mercy instead of carefulness in obedience. He wants both working together. Now, outside the Brotherhood of the Church of God, some take this principle and use it to say God doesn't care about Sabbath observance, that it's not a weightier matter of the law. He used to care about the Sabbath, but now he's changed his mind and he doesn't care about the Sabbath. This is faulty biblical thinking, and not a subject that we're going to dwell on today. Now, within the Brotherhood of the Church, there is the potential to take the ox-in-a-ditch principle, which we started off discussing, in the wrong direction as well. Some might take this principle and use it to cleverly justify some form of work on the Sabbath, which really is not an emergency, but a matter of personal convenience or preference, or perhaps even pleasure. The golf club keeps scheduling the club championship finals on Saturday, so if I want to participate, I'm going to have to do it on Saturday. I guess it's just an ox in the ditch. Well, <laughs> the ox in a ditch principle is not a loophole. Rather than having the Bible give you 10,000 possible scenarios for what is and what is not an ox in a ditch, it's better, in God's eyes, that you meditate on the principle yourself and learn how to apply it and judge righteous judgment. God gives us the commandment, which we read, and he gives us a few case studies, judgments, rulings, to help us learn the principle. For example, Exodus chapters 21 through 23 go through such case studies. Otherwise, God expects us to learn how to think it through and learn to judge righteous judgment. That's how we learn to think and act like our Creator. Go to John 7, verse 24. Here's that saying from the words of Jesus. If you've got a red-letter Bible, it's probably in red letters. He says, Stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge 
righteous judgment. Wise counsel is also an important step to learning to judge righteous judgment. Now, I as a pastor am ready, willing, and available to help you if you need advice, counsel, or so forth, and you can feel free to call if you want. The ministry that Christ has put in his church has a legitimate role to play in helping people understand the application of Scripture. But the real goal is to help you learn to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now let me put that goal in a short, succinct phrase. Careful in obedience, but merciful in judgment. What I've found in my short time as a pastor of a congregation is that there is usually a twist that makes each circumstance unique. And scripture does not attempt to handle every possible scenario for Sabbath-keeping or commandment-keeping as a whole. The Sabbath is not intended to be a burdensome day filled with taboos. It's a day of rest and should be approached with wisdom. God's given us a command. He's given us the case studies and judgments. For example, Exodus 12, verse 16, or Matthew 12, verses 1 through 8. And then he wants us to learn how to judge, evaluate, and make good decisions. If you're going to be a priest and an authority figure helping Christ during his millennial rule, you have to learn how to make judgments on matters that are not black and white. There are going to be unique situations, even in the millennium, which you will have to judge. Anywhere there is freedom of will, with human beings involved, there will be a need for skill in making righteous judgments. You have to know the letter of the law. You also have to know the spirit of the law. Learn when to apply mercy and when to apply discipline. This is wisdom, and that is true righteousness. God's desire is that you learn how to apply his basic laws yourself so that you may help others. So remember, be careful in obedience and merciful in judgment.